everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Lights Out F1 podcast. I've got a bit more company this week. I'm joined by Callum Owen once again and Joshua Fletcher is back with us. Joshua, it's been a, been a while since we've seen you. How are things? Good, good. Stress, stressful few weeks. Uh, did manage to watch the race, but we're back on it now and sort of smooth sailing for a while, I hope. <laughs> Good man. Uh, Callum uh, McAvoy, who's uh, usually with us, is still on holiday, uh, enjoying the sun. So um, hopefully we'll see him again after Monaco. Is it Canada the next race? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. We got a week up. We got we got a gap, and then it's Canada and Baku back to back as well. So hopefully uh, Callum can uh, can come back to us and, and uh, gloat a little bit as we're going to move on to a little bit later uh, with some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about uh, the Spanish Grand Prix. We're going to be looking back on the predictions that we all made last week. Obviously, it was only me and Callum here uh, to talk through them. We're going to be looking back at those. Then we'll go on to Monaco this weekend. Um, sadly, it's not really going to divide opinion, uh, the, the Monaco track debate that, that we usually have, because I don't think you two are massive fans of it. And we obviously know that Callum M uh, particularly enjoys Monaco and I have to stay neutral. Um, so we'll have, we'll have that kind of debate a little bit later on. And then we'll obviously make our predictions for this weekend's Monaco Grand Prix. Um, but let's get started because we've got a Formula 2 practice session to go and watch in an hour on this uh, wonderful Thursday afternoon. Um, first of all, our predictions. We'll start with qualifying. Um, a pretty uneventful qualifying session Um Joshua, I'll come to you. Callum M was the only person that got this one right. He predicted uh, Leclerc to get pole, and that's what happened. The rest of us said Verstappen. Um, what did you make of that? Yeah, it was it was a weird one. I don't know. You sort of you sort of looked at it, and the Mercedes looked promising for a bit, um, and for them, a decent result, obviously, considering what we sort of what we sort of expect from them normally and what they produce this season. It was a decent one. Yeah, it was. I was pleased for Charles to get pole, but obviously with the predictions I had, Max, I sort of had a little, little bit of, little a bit of support for him there. But um, yeah, it was. It, it's never really too exciting in Spain, so I wasn't expecting expecting much more from it. Did you really just say you were supporting Max Verstappen? A tiny bit. <laughs> I could have. Like, it's, it's like with like fantasy football. Like you want your team to do well, but like, but if you predicted someone to beat you, you want your rivals to win. So I suppose, I suppose that's true. We'll let there's you a bit of support for Max there. I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. <laughs> we'll let you off uh, this week. Um, Calamo, I'm having a bit of a disaster here because, as I said to you last week, I've not got Paul right all season. And all season, I've said either Charles or Max, whatever I've said, it's gone the wrong way. And it turns out you were wrong, wrong this week as well. Yeah, we, we said it last week that we're consistently wrong with who's going to be on pole. And we both went for Verstappen. So typically it was Leclerc. It was looking good. Uh, Leclerc had spun Verstappen. He was first after the first runs. And I was sort of following it on my phone and thinking, oh, I might be on for this. And then DRS broke. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was, um, it worked out. It wasn't the best for us, but it was still decent enough for a qualifying session. And we'll we'll come on to that DRS uh, frustration. I, I've written it down as anger here, but I think probably frustration and anger is probably uh, the way to put it. Uh, anger in the cockpit and frustration probably uh, on the pit wall is, is probably the better way to put it. In terms of the way the race finished, uh, it finished obviously with Verstappen winning, Perez in second, George Russell came third. I'm going to come to my predictions first. I predicted Max to win, so I got the point for that, obviously. What happened to Leclerc happened to Leclerc. We'll talk about that in a minute. And I put Hamilton third, Joshua. I'm really annoyed myself about this because obviously last week I put Hamilton being third as my wild card and it was Russell um, and if it probably wasn't for Kevin Magnussen Hamilton probably could have gotten that podium and, and made my wild prediction come true 
Yeah, uh, it's another one. It's that tricky one. It's like you want Ham- like for me, I want Hamilton to win, but I don't want you getting points in our in our predictions <laughs> league. So you sort you sort of take you sort of take the take the difficulties if it means I get an advantage in <laughs> in our predictions game. But yeah, it was it was a tricky one. I'm sure we'll come on to it later, but I still don't know what, really what I make of it. Mm. Callum, we'll come throw it straight back to down to you. That that Kevin Magnussen Lewis Hamilton incident at turn four, uh, lap one. Um, yeah, I do think it's, it, in a way, it's a definition of a racing incident. First lap, two cars fighting for the same bit of track. And I don't, I, if you're going to put blame, it's probably a little bit more Magnussen. Seems like Lewis was slightly ahead and had the inside. But I, I don't think, I think it was right not to have a penalty. It was disappointing because both cars had a good pace to see them drop down. And with the pace Lewis showed, I don't think it's out of the question with, uh, Stappen spinning, Sainz spinning, Leclerc retiring. I don't think it's out of the question that we could have seen Lewis winning. And you don't know how many opportunities he's going to get to do that this year. But I don't know. Lewis in turn four is just once again proving it's not his favourite bit of racetrack. Definitely. Um, and it wasn't either Carlos Sainz's or, or Max Verstappen's uh, favourite bit of racetrack uh, on that particular day, as we'll come on to in, in just a little while. But yeah, for me, I think uh, racing incident as well. Um, I think Magnussen's uh, radio message was a little bit ridiculous, saying Lewis knew exactly what he was doing there, pushing me off into the gravel. That was kind of, you know, a bit over the top. Magnussen had every right to be there. Hamilton had obviously every right to be where where he was. Um, Joshua, now you've heard kind of mine and Callum's thoughts on it. Any, anything else? Is it just a racing incident for you as well and, and oh, nothing more? Yeah, it was absolutely always a racing incident. I When I, first, I saw it live, I was like, oh, he turned into him. And you sort of see it, he's like, did Hamilton make a slight manoeuvre towards... Towards Magnussen, but yeah, as as we've both said, I think definitely racing incident. And if if Magnussen would have got a penalty, it would have been really harsh. Mm. But it did it ruined Lewis's race. I think I think he definitely could have been on for on for quite a hard podium place, just considering the way everything else panned out with with the spins and DNFs. But it's it's one it's it's, it's a tough one. He'll take it. Obviously, his points, but disappointed that he couldn't get probably something he deserved out of that that weekend i mean for me what i was expecting that instant is for magnuson to maybe somehow have the grip around the outside and kind of get the moves done mm. or they just stay side by side neither of them backs out well magnuson doesn't back out and he ends up in the gravel but they hit uh, on the entry in the corner and, and that was that and, and we move on from there um in terms of uh, other predictions uh, that we made um, all of us predicted Charles Leclerc to finish second and uh, Calamo, this is obviously the first time we've seen Verstappen at the top of the championship standing since Abu Dhabi last year uh, when he was crown world champion. What did you make of, of Charles Leclerc's disappointment on Sunday? Oh, and that's exactly it, isn't it? Disappointment. He was he was winning that race. There was no doubt. He was clear out front, driving well and his car gave up. And I think that it's something that at the end of the season, I'm sure we'll look back on it if it's close as a point where the championship changed. And I'm not saying it's you know, this is the point Verstappen won the championship because with 16, 17 races left, it's quite clearly not. But it was just, it's disappointing for Leclerc. But it's good to see Max at the top of the standings because it did, early season with the Red Bull retirements and the um, the wins for Charles, it did sort of threaten to run away with Charles. So to see Max top going into Monaco is actually really good for the championship. And uh, the three of us, and, and obviously Callum M as well, I'm sure will agree that competition is is what we want. Or what we want, although myself and the two Callums don't have 
particular favourites that we support, apart from maybe Callum and, and Sergio Perez. You know, me and Callum O definitely just kind of watch it for a great bit of racing. That, that's all we want to see in competition. So good to see that, that that's back as it is. Um, speaking of Max Verstappen, Joshua, some DRS frustration for him on Sunday. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a weird one. It was almost as if you couldn't quite believe what you were watching. And obviously, he was getting very angry and irritated on the radio um, as well. It's... It's a weird one. You couldn't really make out what it was. A lot of the time, I mean, we were watching it. We thought it could have been human error. They thought he could have been pressing the button too many times or just triggering it. Um, but, yeah, worry, worrying for Red Bull. It, obviously, it played out well in the end for them. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't... I don't know. I wouldn't say the um, the DRS was the biggest Red Bull talking point of the, of the weekend. I think it's also fair to say that... Um... They're not going to be, you know, too disadvantaged in Monaco this weekend if, if they don't have that problem fixed, uh, Callum. No, I mean, I was I was thinking about this and um, I was watching the notebook, well, Ted's notebook, not the notebook. But, <laughs> and he was saying, well, they don't know if it's because they've taken weight off it and will they be able to fix it by Monaco. And I thought in my head about DRS around Monaco and it really only is the front straight, which mm. even with DRS, in a similarly paced car, you're not going to get past there you don't overtake really anywhere in Monaco, but let alone against a quick car. So the only time it will limit them maybe is qualifying. And obviously qualifying is everything in Monaco. So that's, that could be the only problem, but I don't think it will have a big as an, as an impact as it did in Spain. I think Monaco is probably the perfect track to go to with DRS problems for, for all the reasons like you've said as well. Uh, the other thing that I want to talk about, one of the one of the final few things I want to talk about with, with Spain is we saw this fantastic scrap that we've never seen before uh, in Formula One. Not that Martin Brundle could remember, not that Crofty could remember, and not that I don't know if either of you two can remember a scrap between uh, George Russell and Max Verstappen like we saw on Joshua Sunday. Great racing. Oh, absolutely. It was It was encouraging to see... George, but the Mercedes this season being able to fend off the better cars um, and defend really well for a while, and you you wondered if if he would get him. Obviously, with those DRS issues and the the inconsistencies, whether whether or not he'd he'd be able to make it. He made it stick in the end, but I don't know. It's it's encouraging. It's positive to be able to see that, and I think two drivers who hopefully, for racing sake rather than personal preference, would be right up the top. Um, top of the season, uh, challenging multiple seasons um, to come. Many years to come, they'll be battling for championships. So it's good to see. Yeah, I can't remember anything like that. Obviously, we had when George last raced for Mercedes before uh, this season, he was well in front and uh, ultimately car issues and team issues cost him. So, no, definitely, definitely a good battle to watch and hopefully many more to come. And Callum, I think it was lap 28, I think it was high 20s, low 30s, somewhere like that, where obviously Verstappen went around the outside and then Russell kind of got him back um what did you make of that you know Verstappen I think half his car kind of over the line off the track as, as they went round. I think it was turn three was it do you, you know was that fair for you yeah it was I think from what I've seen it was fair um it's just it's great as Joshua said to see them racing each other because they will they will be the faces of F1 for the next 10 years along with people like Charles Leclerc and just good hard racing for the first time they properly fought on track it's just like the perfect teaser for what's to come so I was happy with it I think the two of them were in the post-race press conference together and I'm pretty sure that um, Max said to George, I don't think you could see me in the blind spot when you kind of forced me out wide. And I think George put like a really cheeky smile on us. I don't know if any of you saw that. 
I, I didn't I didn't see it, but I can imagine George knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, go and find it if you can, or if not, I'll uh, I'll send it your way. But you know, the camera, you know, someone's obviously edited it so that it zooms in on George, and there's a cheeky little smile there. He knew exactly where Max was. You know, there was no blind spot rubbish that that Max was kind of going on about, and uh, I found that one um, quite amusing. We'll stick with Red Bull for now because there is one more uh, part of the race that I want to talk about. But Joshua, it's a shame Callum M isn't here. Um, it's probably a good thing Callum M isn't here, actually, because he would be absolutely furious about the way Sergio Perez is being treated by Red Bull at the moment. Yeah, it's it wasn't unbelievable because they know realistically their their best shot at, at the championship is, is for Max to try and retain it. So you can understand it. But on pure racing alone and quality and what they delivered in performance of that race, I think it was... Uh, it was so unfair on Sergio. It was really unfair. And that isn't even sort of like a team preference thing or a driver preference thing. I think he, I think out of, once Leclerc retired, I think he did really well and he should have been given the opportunity to race. And it's not like it was the last two races of the season where Max had to win to, to get that advantage. I think you try and get as many points for your drivers who earn it as possible, let them race. And for him not to be able to get that, I think was was quite cruel. So yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of team orders anyway. I, I know people say it's benefited Hamilton before. It's benefited a lot of drivers before, um, but it, it doesn't sit right with me. And for me, you've got to, you've got to win a race based on your performance. A bit of luck comes into it as well, but you can't be told to let your teammate buy just because they're the number one driver. It's it feels a bit wrong. I think I can understand team orders to an extent at the you know towards the latter end of the season yeah. when when the drivers are fighting for championships. But Callum, far too early for you. How, how did you feel for Sergio? And, and what would you be doing if you know he said on the radio? We'll speak later about this. What would you have said if if you were Sergio Perez in in that team debrief? I mean, yes, it's too early because Perez had a strong start. So he was ahead of Max the first three or four um, races in terms of the championship. And obviously, if you're Perez and you want to speak later. You'd, you'd vent your frustrations, but the reality is Perez is that team's number two driver. There is no question about it. Perez knew that when he joined, and he must know it now. He knew it all last season. So I'd have loved to have seen him fight for the win, and he, like, he deserved it. He had the pace, but they would have eventually come side by side on track. And if, Red Bull, if Ferrari, who are Red Bull's main rivals, a dropping points, you do everything you can in a title fight that's going to be this close to get those points. And we have to remember that Red Bull is as much Max's team as I think Ferrari was Michael Schumacher's. If you are not Max Verstappen, you are not the number one driver in that team. And it's tough. And I think Perez knows it, but it might begin to frustrate him. And then uh, the, the last thing that I want to talk about is we had uh, we saw a little collision between Pierre Gasly and Lance Stroll. It wouldn't be a podcast uh, without me talking about Lance Stroll. And um, this one, though, Joshua, probably wasn't his fault. No, I think on the balance of it, probably not. Um, there's there's always something, isn't there? I mean, it that sort of I had I had asked him to score double points. I. I thought I saw something to make me believe. I think they brought a whole new car or whatever. They brought loads of different upgrades. And I thought, great, they're going to be they're going to be high up in the uh, standings, low top ten, maybe. Uh, no, it was there, there was crashes. Seb pitted late and then he dropped out. Like, it was a bit of a disaster on that front. But yeah, on the on the on the balance of it, probably not Lance's fault. 
uh, probably more more Pierre, but I don't I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough one. So looking back at the uh, wild predictions we made, we've obviously already touched on the fact that I said uh, Hamilton was going to finish third. Joshua, you just touched on it there. You said, but both Astons were going to get in the points. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, Calamo, you said Alonso was going to get in the top six, which probably could have happened had he had, had a better qualifying. Yeah, I don't know. Rubbish qualifying. And then they took, what is his fourth engine of the year after six races, which is marvellously concerning. But they, it was smart. If you're going to do it, you might as well cut your losses. But, I'm saying he went from 17th to 9th. He went from 20th to 9th. If he had started 17th, could have finished 6th. But and then he had the pace, and I guess it's a strong home race for him. Just no good for my prediction, which is a theme every week. <laughs> and I'm afraid that Callum M has just pipped you on that one as well, because he said Alonso in the points, uh, and he said it's potentially his last home race. We'll obviously find that out probably at the end of the season, whether or not that part of it's true. But we've given him the point for that. And as a result, unfortunately, gents, we need to step up our game. Callum M is running away with his predictions league at the moment. He's top with 11 points. He got pole first and his wild prediction, I think, right this week. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's probably what, what he got right. Pole first in his wild. So he's on 11 points. Joshua, you're next on eight points. You're second. Uh, so you've got some catching up to do there. And yeah. myself and Callum, uh, we probably won't talk about that. We're both joint last on six. Um, so much improvement needed uh, this weekend. And I also think that Callum M's wild prediction, which we'll come to in a minute for Monaco, is going to come true. Um, so a little bit worried about this one. Um, so... Calamo, myself, we need to step up our game. Joshua, are you doing okay? Uh, just try and hunt down Callum so that um, he doesn't run away with it for us, please. Uh, because I think me and Callum M are pretty much already out of it. I'll do my best. I will do my best. But you never know. You never know. It looked like Charles was going to run away with the uh, the championship, as, as Callum mentioned, about you know five, five minutes or so ago. So uh, hopefully me and Callum can get ourselves back into it right now with our predictions. Um, before we go on to our predictions, Monaco, we're going to have the track debate in just a moment. But it looks like Lewis Hamilton isn't may not be able to race, Josh. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. We, we still haven't officially heard from the FIA. Um, I don't think at time of recording I haven't seen anything official um, but apparently he was given this two race warning to remove uh, remove his jewellery he said he hasn't done it he said he doesn't mind not racing if it like just to stand up for his morals and whatever um, so potentially we could not see Hamilton racing which would mess up my predictions slightly um, it's, it's a strange one I, it's a difficult one this jewellery thing because he makes a decent point that Drivers are allowed to wear their wedding rings, and he's not married, so why can't he wear his like his nose ring? I think it is the, the issue of contention. It, it seems a bit pedantic from the from the bosses. Look, if he's never had an issue with it before in sixteen years of racing or seventeen years, whatever it is, I mean, why why now? I, I it, it it does feel a bit like a witch hunt, uh, and he's got support from some of the big ones as well, big races as well. So I'd be shocked if Lewis Hamilton doesn't race at Monaco. Just from purely image perspective for F1, I mean, there's other races you could easily just impose this ban for him. And, but for him not to race at Monaco, he's, he lives there or lived there, definitely. It's it's It would be wrong not to have him race at all, but especially to, to do this big show and, and make him miss Monaco. Being devil's advocate, Callum, um, we asked for a new race director this year that was going to enforce the rules properly. And now that's being done, we don't like it. Yeah, the, the rules, but not this. Like rules on track. Yeah, more yeah. about 
like don't let half the field through and change the title <laughs> fight. Like not not all Lewis Hamilton's got a nose ring. Get him. I just don't think it's. Yeah, so I said it last week. It's such a weird fight to pick. Race direct is such a scrutinised spot at the moment. So you shouldn't, in your first two, three months on the job, go, right, the greatest driver of all time, he wears a bit of jewellery. Let's annoy him. Yeah, because they're not going to... I don't see how they win. They either back down, lose credibility, or they win and don't have F1's biggest star racing. <laughs> what's arguably their sort of... The event that gets the most eyes. It's, like, unbelievably daft. Mm. I don't... I don't really see where they're going with it. I'd imagine he'll race just because I don't see them not letting him, sorry, taking him out of the race. But um, it's just unnecessary. It's unnecessary uh, like news coverage. It's unnecessary on Hamilton. It's unnecessary stress for the, uh, the FIA when they could be sorting uh, like a number of other things out. So it's just it's silly. I think we all want to see Hamilton race this weekend, considering how much Mercedes have improved as well um, over the last few weeks. Come on then, let's have this Monaco track debate. Joshua, I'll throw it over to you first. Should we still be racing in Monaco in 2022? Yes, we should. Because I think in the current climate, there's been a lot of criticism from um, older Formula One fans, shall we say? Um, Alan McAvoy. No, no, no. That's not, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to say. I was. I was trying to. I, I wanted to say like real or proper fans, but I think that that is wrong. I think older fans who have enjoyed the sport for a long time aren't necessarily too keen on the newer generation of fans, whether that's younger fans or the drive to survive fans or, or whatever it is. And a lot. I think I feel like a lot of the younger demographic don't like Monaco because it isn't high octane and overlapping and stuff like that. Um, but I think for an institution, it is it is motorsport. When you think of Formula One, I mean, as a British fan, you think of Silverstone or you think of Monaco. I'm sure other fans of other countries think of their home track and Monaco, but it's always in that conversation. There's always a lot going on, um, not necessarily on track. But we've seen circuits this season that we weren't necessarily always excited for have sometimes delivered better quality racing. Not not the most quality, but better. I think Monaco should be really difficult, but on the whole, I think it should stay, although I did put it bottom of my of my track ranking. Uh, I did that last week, or two weeks ago, whenever it was. So I did go bottom of my of my ranking, but it definitely, it definitely stayed in the calendar. Even, even though it's a procession, as we said before, um, just for the event and the history... And the prestige of Monaco. We saw that, didn't we? I think Lando, how buzzing he was last season to win. And not win, sorry, to come on the podium at Monaco. Because it means so much to them, even if it isn't the best quality race. Alan, over to you. Um, I, I agree with Joshua, sort of, from most of it. It's, it's the most famous F1 race. It's arguably the most famous race in the world. It's part of the Triple Crown. You can't not have a third of the Triple Crown. Obviously, that Indian um, Le Mans. But it, the problem is the cars are getting bigger and the track can't develop with them. You see at places like Spain, they, they change the track to try and suit the new generation of cars. And they can do that because it's a permanent track and it's, its sole purpose is racing. Monaco, you can't, you can't change it as easily. So the problem is now, um, 
you're just you're just finding the cars are a bit too big and a bit too sort of developed almost for the track. They've outgrown the track. So and that's why Monaco is always really good to qualify on. And the race can be a bit poor. Like I'm unless the race is something special, I'm gonna enjoy Saturday more than Sunday. But as Joshua said, it's a vital part of F1. You think of Monaco when you think of F1. So you can't just drop it. Whether whether there can be a way to change it, I don't know. I don't get I don't get paid to make those decisions. And frankly, I wouldn't want to be paid to make that one because it's a very sensitive subject messing with Monaco. But it should be on the calendar. I think that's that's the end of it. That's the bottom line. It should be there, but could do with improvements. Um, the big thing for me was that it was always the track that I would dread most on the F1 game. I think I used to sim through the whole Monaco weekend and not yeah. bother driving yeah. around it. I yeah. still I still do the exact same thing. It's awful. <laughs> I, 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 think I, I think I've completed one race on it ever, probably. Um, but yeah, good track. Well, not a good track, but good um, place. Loads of history behind it. Um, you know, we could all pick out so many moments, you know, that we can remember from the Monaco Grand Prix. And it's going to be interesting because we have said about, you know, different things we want to do in the summer break rather than just having kind of a gap. And I think our, our ideal F1 calendar is going to be one of those. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, who puts it on their calendar and who leaves it off. I, I probably think all four of us will put it on, but we'll uh, we'll wait till that episode to see uh, what we're going to put. Uh, but we're not going to wait any longer to see what we're going to put for our predictions for this weekend. Let's start with qualifying. Callum McAvoy has sent his predictions in the prediction god at the moment. That is Callum McAvoy. He's gone with Max Verstappen to take pole. Uh, Joshua, do you agree with him? No. Which is probably quite stupid. Uh, I should probably just match him and just guarantee guarantee if, if he scores, I'll score. But um, I, I, I've written Leclerc, so I'll stick with Leclerc to take pole. I've gone with Leclerc as well, which means it is going to be Verstappen. Uh, Callum, <laughs> I'll send it back to you. Uh, if you want any more proof it's going to be Verstappen, I've also gone for Charles. <laughs> um, he's that good around Monaco, but if, I don't know, avoiding a classic Charles Leclerc Monaco disaster, he's the best driver around Monaco, uh, sort of in recent years. It's like him, Hamilton and Max, but I think he's just got that little edge. Hmm. So last week, we all went, us three went for Verstappen and um, Callum went Leclerc and got it right. This week, we've all gone Leclerc and Callum has gone for Verstappen and he's probably going to get it right again, let's be honest. But we'll be laughing at him this time next week um, if we've all got Leclerc right in Monaco. That means I've gone with Leclerc as well. In terms of the race, Joshua, how entertaining is it going to be and uh, who's going to finish where in your top three? I think there will be some drama. Um, I don't know how entertaining it will be, just based on previous history. Um, But I have gone... Do we win the whole, all three? Yeah, go for it. Top three will be, and it will be, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Lewis Hamilton. Interesting. Uh, Callum M has gone with Sainz to win the race. Uh, he's then gone Verstappen second, Hamilton third, Leclerc nowhere to be seen in his top three, and he's not mentioned him in his wild prediction either. So where Callum M thinks Leclerc is going to finish, who knows? It could be fourth, it could be, I don't know, tenth, or a DNF, or maybe even a DNS like last year. Um, I've gone with Verstappen, Perez, Sainz. I've also gone for Leclerc uh, to qualify and pole and then fall out of that position. Uh, I'll come on to that in just a moment in my wild prediction. Uh, Calamo, let's go to you. Your top three in the race for me. Um, I've got Charles Leclerc winning it. So. <laughs> You're brave. Controversial. Completely opposite. Well, it ties into my, 
well, predict. I'll say it now. My wild prediction is Charles Leclerc finishes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've gone with um, Charles to win, Max second, and Lewis third. Cool. Uh, Joshua, we'll come to your wild prediction next then, seeing as, as Callum's brought us onto it. He's gone for Leclerc to actually finish the race. Have you gone for something a bit more wild than that? You can tell Callum needs the points, can't you? Um, I haven't uh, written one, so we'll go off the top of my head. I was hoping you say Callum's first. and then I, could I can do if you want. No, 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 no. We've done this now. Um, okay. I think, I might be making this up. I think I read a stat somewhere that said Sebastian Vettel was finished top five quite recently. Come on. So, um, let's go with that. Let's go Sebastian Vettel finishing the top five. Oh, that will make my dreams come true after my prediction of making fifth in the championship last year. So, let's hope that happens. That'd be brilliant. Um, I have gone for a bit of drama as well, like you said, Josh. Um, not sure what's going to happen, whether it's going to be a first corner crush, uh, whether there's kind of things that happen throughout the race that cause this. But I've gone for seven retirements uh, in the race. What that's going to be, I don't know. Um, maybe we'll have a no heroics into Sandoval and somebody tries it and, you know takes the whole field out who knows um <laughs> i was gonna go for latifi crashing like i think we all went for mazapin crashing last year um and i don't think that actually happened did it um so i wasn't gonna go for that this year i've gone for seven uh retirements callum m joshua i want to get your opinion on this one uh callum m predicted joshua to say that monaco is one of the worst tracks on the calendar um, <laughs> <laughs> we can't give them a point for that <laughs> <laughs> i don't think you've said it to be fair you know, you talked about how it's bottom of your calendar, but you didn't say one of the worst tracks on the calendar. That was the quote that he gave me. Um, oh, if, it's, if it's a quote-based prediction, then no, he doesn't get a point, definitely. Okay. No <laughs> point. So Callum's wild prediction was Joshua to say it's one of the worst tracks on the calendar. I did say, is that for today's podcast or is it for next week when we're talking about the track? Um, and he said it was for today. So, Callum M, I'm afraid you've already not got your wildcard uh, point there, unfortunately. Uh, Callum did send me the stat as well that Monaco, um, I think this is kind of pretty obvious, uh, Monaco has the least amount of overtakes on average of any circuit uh, that we go to. I think the average is about 10 per race. So, uh, it's going to be a great one, isn't it? Yeah, I let's, let's, hope, it's, let's hope it is. Um, I don't think we'll have loads of overtakes, especially not once the top end of the field. But as, as Callum said, I think whoever goes into that first corner um, on lap one should win. Barring any disasters, should win. And usually does win. So I, th I, think, I think qualifying and the first lap will be really important. And then it might be fun to watch, but not exciting to watch. Are you going to be turning off after that point, uh, Callum? Um, no, I'll keep it on. I'll have it on the background. <laughs> in the background. <laughs> to be fair, that happened in Barcelona. We all thought it was going to be a rubbish race and we got a decent first half of the race. The second half didn't quite live up to expectations once Leclerc had retired. We obviously had that Verstappen and Russell scrap, but apart from that, nothing much happened after that. Um, so let's hope for some drama in Monaco. I, I do think I do think it'll be all right. I think because one of the good things, to be fair, does Monaco obviously be my famous track. And it happens once a year. So I do spend the first half of Monaco thinking, oh, it's cool they're racing around Monaco. So if at least nothing helps, I will think it's cool they're racing. You want Monaco. that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> but it also could rain. I'm hoping for rain. Yes. 
Yes, I forgot to mention that actually. Rain forecast, which uh, which could make things very interesting indeed. Unfortunately, can't go into that because we are out of time. Uh, but thank you very much to the two of you. Uh, thank you to Callum M for also sending in that fantastic wild prediction. Um, I'll get you two to talk about that as one next time uh, when we preview the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, which we are all looking forward to, I am sure. But for now, it's time for Monaco. Uh, we'll see you all later. Thank you very much for watching. Bye-bye. <laughs> uh.